This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Return to God, and it comes from 1 Samuel 7, 1-17. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salary or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Also, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. And then you can also catch us on iTunes. Go over to the podcast section, search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class, and you can find us there. Again, we pick up in chapter 7, and this kind of Closes out a small section that we're looking at, chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, all kind of go together. If you remember, as we opened up chapter 4, we saw that the Philistines and Israel were going to battle. And in that first battle, we saw that they lost 4,000 men. Well, again, they retreated, they regrouped, they came up with this plan, with a strategy that let's go get the Ark of the Covenant and let's bring that in and that will be our lucky charm. We can't lose if we have God right in there battling with us. Now, during this time, the nation of Israel has fallen away and they're worshiping other idols besides worshiping God. And what happens? They go and get the lucky charm and the decree that God had given on the house of Eli comes to pass. And God does it the way he did a lot back in this day. During a battle, Hophni and Phinehas both are killed. They die at the sword. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And then when the word is heard from their dad, Eli, he falls over backwards and he dies. He breaks his neck. He heard that the Ark was captured and he heard that his two sons died. And even his daughter-in-law, who hears all of this bad news as well, she gives birth early and she calls that child Ichabod. She dies in that child birthing labor but Ichabod means God has left us. What happened was in the second battle, after they got the Ark of the Covenant, they went back and they took a whooping. The Philistines just flat out kicked their, you know what? 30,000 brothers died that day. You add that to the first loss they had with 4,000 men dying, 34,000 men died. But to make it worse, they lost the Ark of the Covenant. And that was what they saw as God. That's that was God to them, which was the wrong thing. They didn't know God. Well, then we see that the Ark of the Covenant is taken and the Philistines take it back. We see this in chapter 5 and 6 that 
They take it back to their temple. The Philistines take it back to their temple. They set it next to their main god, Dagon. And the next morning they get up, they come to check on Dagon, worship Dagon in the temple, and they find Dagon laying on the ground. He's laying in a worshiping position like he is worshiping the Ark of the Covenant. The priests really don't think anything about it. So what do they do? They set him back up. And then we talked about if you got to set up your God instead of your God picking you up, then something's wrong with that. But anyhow, they pick up their God. They put him back. The next morning they come in. And again, Dagon is laying on the ground. And this time his head has been broken off and his arms have been broken off. Remember, I told you Dagon was kind of a mermaid looking person. But anyhow, they find his head and his arms broken off and they're laying at the threshold. God is sending a clear and distinct message to the Philistines that he is the one true living God. And even though they think they captured him, they really haven't. God has allowed this so that he can send a message to them. But they ignore the message. So what happens? He sends judgment to them. They get tumors and death follows. Now, some say these tumors were hemorrhoids. Some say the tumors and the death was from the bubonic plague because there was rats that uh, everywhere the Ark of the Covenant went followed and there was an infestation of that. But either way, they had these tumors and this death that follows them. And this is the judgment that follows the Ark to the point that they hold it and they finally want to get rid of it. So they asked the priest what to do. And the priest say, well, you take and build a cart. You put the ark on the cart. Then you put back a guilt offering. And that offering needs to be of five mice, golden images, and five images of the tumor. Now, again, God didn't want more idols to would be sent there through the golden image. He wanted a burnt sacrifice. And that's what we were taught in Leviticus about how do we handle a guilt offering. But they didn't know. So they do that. They send it off. They do put God on a test and they take two cows that have just given birth, never been yoked. They take the young uh, calves away. They then they take them, they yoke them up, they put them on the front of this cart, and they tell them to go. And the idea was that these cows would never be able to pull together. They would definitely not go straight. They would turn and go for their calves. But the Bible says that they moved the whole way to Beth Shemeth. And that's where they showed up. They showed up at Beth Shemeth. And what happens? The nation of Israel starts worshiping and they're excited. They're jumping. They rejoice to see that this has come back because they thought they've lost it forever. And they truly do do the right thing. They take the cart. They tear it apart. The wood is used to create a fire. They slaughter the two cows as sacrifice and they sacrifice these two cows up. But what happens is that some of the priests, some of the Levites look into the ark. And just like in the movie, Indiana Jones, they die. The Bible tells us 70 men died and they were scared. And so they sent it away. And that takes us to where we are today. So if you would turn in your Bible with me to 1 Samuel 7. We'll start in verse 1. We'll read the first two verses and then we'll pause there. We will go through the whole chapter today, but we'll start with those two. I'll be reading out of the ESV. And the men of Kerith Jim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadad on the hill. And they consecrated his son Elzerah to have charge of the ark of the Lord. For the day that the ark was lodged at Kerajerim, a long time had passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. 
And what we see right here in verse 1 and 2, if you remember, is they don't want the ark. So they call the Levites to come and get it. And so the ark goes up to Kerachim and it's taken there. And from there, it stays for 20 years. Some 20 years, it will stay here. And that's where it will rest until David decides to move it back to the city of Jerusalem. And now we're really about to get into the heart of it. We're going to see Samuel come back on the scene. Here he's going to help Israel return to the Lord. Look what it says in verse 3 with me. And Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away your foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baal and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. Like I said, in chapter 4, 5, and 6, Samuel's been very quiet. In the first three chapters, we saw his birth, we saw his childhood, and we saw him being called as a prophet. But he disappeared from the narrative of this book for the next three chapters, and now we see Samuel return. Israel has fallen away from God. And right here in chapter 7, it's all about Samuel's leadership and how he helps Israel return to the Lord. Let me ask you today, how is your relationship with God? Are you walking with him? Are you growing in Christ? Are you moving forward? Are you making progress? Or have you plateaued or maybe even stepped backwards in your Christian walk? God created you to have a relationship with him. And unless you are growing in that relationship, you're missing out on the best that God has for you. You're missing out on God's daily love and guidance for you. His peace, his assurance that he has for your life, you're missing out on that. You're missing out on the main reason that you were created and put here. It's for you to walk with God and have a relationship with Him. And if you're not doing that, then you're walking away from God and you're taking Him out of your life and you're doing it in your own strength and you're doing it your own way. A famous song was sung by Frank Sinatra. And he would sing a song that was called My Way. And truly, he lived his life his way. And there are too many Christians today that are sitting in the pews. Some of you maybe even listening to me are doing it your way. And God is calling you back today, just like he did the nation of Israel. And he's asking you to come back. But we saw that God stirred up the heart. They lamented for God. And Samuel knows as a priest now that they have to repent. And to do that, they have to be sincere when they repent. And to be sincere was they had to give up their false gods. The presence of the false gods of that land had come into the nation of Israel and it had polluted them. Baal was the chief deity of the Canaanites. He was the god of the sky and he controlled everything. And they've allowed Baal into their worship. And then you had Ashtoreth. She was the female fertility god. Her worship involved debauchery and Israel had gotten into that. Israel has been worshiping these two and they've fallen away from God. They've stepped away just like some of you listening to me have. And Samuel knows that they are truly going to return to God. Then they have to give up their foreign gods. They have to dedicate themselves to the Lord and worship him only. And that's what it says right here in verse 3 and 4. As we go through the rest of this chapter, I want you to see there are steps to returning to the Lord. And the first one is always repentance. Verse 2 through 4 shows us some key aspects of how we repent to the Lord. First, we have to mourn for our sin and we have to seek after the Lord. 
I want you to see a word or phrase that Samuel uses in verse 3. He says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away your foreign gods. He says, if you are going to return to the Lord with all your heart, are you giving all your heart to God? You say, well, Tim, you know, we don't worship a foreign God. Well, do you? I mean, is your job a God? Is your money a God? Is your children a God? Is your house a God? Is your car a God? What do you put, what do you turn to first? Because what you turn to when you're in a time of trouble could be a God in your life. And Samuel tells them to put away their gods, and that's what they do. And so look what happens because they make that decision. Samuel tells them in verse 5 to go to Mezpah. Look with me at verse 5. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mezpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mezpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mezpah. So what does Samuel do? He says, come to Mezpah and I will intercede for you with the Lord. And what do we see in verse six? We see that they gather at Mezpah. They drew water and poured it out. And that was a symbol of them washing themselves clean through this ceremony. And then they fasted and they confessed. If we want to repent, we truly want to repent, then we have to confess our sin before God. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The person who knows where he stands before God is wise. Psalms 24, 3 and 6 says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by it false. He will receive the blessing of the Lord and the vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So right here in verse 5 and 6, we see them pray a prayer. We see them ask the Lord forgiveness. They freely confess their sin against the Lord. And today, if you are like the nation of Israel, if you have some God in your life, if you have something in your heart that you've not completely given all your heart to God, God is calling you to return to him. And he's saying, confess your sin. And when we confess our sin to God, then we all of a sudden trust in God that he will show us his grace. And we see what his grace looks like when we look at verses 7 through 9. Look at that with me real quick. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mezpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistine. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and he offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered them. And today you may be like the nation of Israel. You may have problems in your life because you walked away from God. And God sends his discipline to wake us up. And for the nation of Israel, the problem was called the Philistines. And when the Philistines heard about the Israel that gathered at Mezpah, they decide they're going into attack mode. And when Israel hears about it, they cry out to Samuel. They say, Samuel, sacrifice a lamb for us. Keep pleading on our behalf. And that's what Samuel does. Samuel sacrificed a lamb. 
And let me just stop. Anytime you see a sacrifice of any animal in the Old Testament, that should be pointing you to Jesus. You need to think about Jesus. That's a signal for Jesus. And all of that should remind us of God's grace. And that's what the nation of Israel is asking for. They're saying, sacrifice something on our behalf. Intercede for us so that God will have grace upon us that we are now turning back to him. And that's a point I should make as well. I want you to realize that the nation of Israel is turning back. They've given up the thing that made them sin. Today, when you repent, that is not only you asking for forgiveness, but that is a turning back to God. And so today, whatever problem you may have brought into your life by walking away from God, you need to come back to God in prayer, trusting him to deliver you by his grace. Don't come to God asking him to deliver you because of something that you've done. Don't come to God asking him to deliver you because of something you will do. Come to God asking him to deliver you because of what Jesus has already done for you, trusting that God will deliver you by his grace, repenting and turning from that sin and saying, I need your grace. Now look what happens to the Israelites as they turn to God to deliver them by his grace. Look at verses 10 and 11 with me. As Samuel was offering up a burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went from Mezpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as Bethacar. So the Philistines thought that it would be a good thing to attack them while they were there worshiping. And what did God do when he saw their repentance? When he saw them ask for grace, the Lord saved them. Hopefully you heard what I read, that when the Philistines were drawing near for battle, the Israelites are gathered around the sacrificial lamb. Samuel took the lamb, he offered it up to the Lord as a burnt offering, and God answered his prayer. God thundered against the Philistines and threw them into a panic. He miraculously delivers Israel from the Philistines on that day. When we put our trust back in God, when we turn back to him, when we have a truly repentant heart, remember God doesn't look on the outside, he looks on the inside. We'll see that uh, later in this book. When God looks at your heart and he sees the repentance, he's seen you turn to him, he will be just for you like he was with the nation of Israel. He will take whatever that problem is. There are consequences to our sins, so I'm not going to say it'll go away, but God can take a lemon and make lemonade out of it. And that's exactly what he does is thunders loudly and he takes and he saves them. His grace is shown over the nation. So what are the steps so far that we've talked about of returning to God? Well, first is repentance. The second is that we need to pray. And then the next thing is we should see growth after we do repent. What is one of the best ways to see that growth, to see those answered prayers, to see God's work is to journal or document what you ask for and then document when it happens. And we see that right here. We see a documentation that happens. Yes, yeah, not on paper, but let's look at that. Look at verse 12 with me. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mespa and Sheen, and he called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel. Let's stop right there. After we've repented, after we've come back to God, 
The devil is going to attack us just like the Philistines did. And how do we stay on fire for God? How do we not regress? And that is through our documentation. That is marking our progress. And what we see right here is there is a stone set up. It's called Ebenezer. And it is a remembrance of what God did for them. By us journaling in our notepad about the prayers that we ask and the answers that God sends, it reminds us when we're facing that next problem, look at what God has done in my past. It encourages us to be able to walk forward and trust in the Lord, knowing that he is going to answer our prayer if we'll just trust in him and believe in him. And so we see that God has given the Israelites a victory right here at Mezpah. And Samuel didn't want them to forget it. So what does he do? He sets up that stone and he names it Ebenezer. And while I was in Bible college, I had a class I took. Actually, I took it with my brother, Nate. It was a class called Hymnology. It was taught by Elsa Drake. And she was a, a good teacher. One of the things she said is there is history and fundamental theology that is written into these hymns. And do you know there is a song, a hymn, that is called Come Thou Fount Every Blessing? One of the verses says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by they help I come. Now you may be thinking, as you sing that song, why are we raising Ebenezer the Scrooge? Well, this is not about Ebenezer Scrooge. This is about Ebenezer, about this very chapter that was written, which means thus far the Lord has helped me. If you've ever what that verse was all about, it is about this very incident that I'm talking about. It's talking about marking the progress that God has given you in your life. You know, when you hike up a mountain, it's good to stop along the way and look back to see how far you come. When you exercise, one of the things they tell you when you're running outside, when you're getting tired, is just look at another object and say, I can make it at least to that next telephone pole. I can make it to that next stop sign. And when you get there, you make another mark and you keep doing that. And then when you look back, you go, I can't believe I went that much further. And in the same way, we need to find ways to mark our progress in our Christian life. If God speaks to you through a verse in the Bible, write it down. If God answers a prayer for you, write it down. As I said, keep a prayer journal where you keep a record of the things that you ask God, and then when they happen, you mark the progress in your Christian life. It'll motivate you. It'll keep you going. It'll keep you from getting discouraged when that next problem arises. You'll be able to see that God has answered prayers in the past. And then it also allows you to see the changes. In verses 13 and 14, we see a change in the nation of Israel. And guess what? When you turn your life back to God, when you're walking with God, when you have that growth going on, you'll see changes in your life too. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities of the Philistines had taken from Israel and was restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace and also between Israel and the Amorites. So we see right here in verse 14 that God restores what they had lost. Now look, let me just say up front that don't understand what I'm saying here. That when you return to God, that all your problems will just suddenly disappear. Christians go through hard times just like everyone else. But it does mean that God will help you. He will help you when you go through that hard time. It means that God will be there with you as you go through that difficulty. It means that you 
may suffer consequences for a bad decision, but God will walk with you as you go through those consequences. You'll see a positive change in your life. You'll experience what I like to call the ripple effect of obedience. The ripple effect is simply this. When you get one part of your life back in order, the other parts start to come together as well. The Israelites experienced this. When they returned to God, not only were they delivered from the power of the Philistines, but they were also at peace with the Amorites. The Philistines lived outside the borders of Israel. The Amorites are a group of people that still live in the borders of Israel. That's the ripple effect of positive change. There are parts of your life that will fall back into place as you start walking with God and you walk under His commandments. And then I want to wrap up with saying that we need to learn to live out a daily routine. A part of Christian growth is having a daily routine. And we see this in Samuel's life. And we see that in verses 15 through 17. Look at it with me real quick. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And when he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, Mezpah, and he judged Israel in all those places, then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there he also judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. In verses really 3 through 15, we see Samuel lead Israel through this dramatic return to God. The people respond by following his leadership. They repented of their idolatry and they put their trust in God, Almighty God. God delivered them from the Philistines with the loud thunder from heaven. And they set up a stone to mark the progress. They set up a stone to remind them of what God did. But what we see right here in these final two verses is that God had something for him too. He wanted him to have a daily routine of judging Israel. Year after year, Samuel went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mezbah, judging the people of Israel. You know, he would finish the circuit and go back to his home in Ramah, and then he would start all over again. Bethel, Gilgal, Mezbah, Ramah. Bethel, Gilgal, Mezbah, Ramah. You could almost make a song out of that. At each of these stops, he would judge the people, and then he would start all over again. One of the things when we have to do when we serve God is that we have to have a daily routine. That routine may be getting up each morning and reading your Bible, saying a prayer, then going to work. Love the people around you that God brings into your life. Do a good job, then come back home. Love your family, love your neighbor, love your church. And do that day after day after day. That's my routine. I can't speak to you what your routine should be. I think it should be get up in the morning and read the Bible and pray and get in God's Word because it sets your heart right for that day. You know, it's not always going to be a glamorous day for me, even though I went through the routine. I'm not going to be on the mountaintop. But what I can tell you is that day after day after day, I see God's mercy and His grace in my life no matter what I go through. I started off reminding you about chapter 4 and how in chapter 4 the Israelites were defeated how 34,000 of them die. But today we saw that the nation of Israel was prepared and not a single person dies, at least not what's documented right here in the Bible. The difference is there was a disposition change between chapter 4 and today. Back in chapter 4, it was all about my way. It was about the way I want things done. I'm going to go use God as a lucky charm. I'm going to bring him in. But here today, we saw them mourn, we saw them ask for forgiveness, and we saw them ask for grace. 
Before in chapter 4, there was pride. Here we see humility. In chapter 4, they were all about using God. We're in a fix, so we're going to use God. And some of you may be the same way today. And my question to you, are you trying to use God to get a quick fix? Have you waited and used him as your last resort? Or has God a daily conversation with you? Repent today. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Give your life back to him. Get rid of your idols and be like the nation of Israel and be restored. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time. Lord, I thank you for these four chapters right here. Lord, we saw a change. We see a change in the nation of Israel, how they had gotten off the path, how they had walked away from you, how they had fallen into idol worship, how they put things above you or equal to you. Lord, we see the leadership of Samuel, how he tells them to put away their false idols. And Lord, we see that they fasted and they mourned for you. And Lord, we see how you took them back in. We see your grace. And Lord, we pray today for each and every one listening to me that needs that grace today. Lord, that you will just let them see it as well. Lord, let them understand that they need you. And Lord, let them turn over any hidden kingdom in their heart. Lord, give them the grace. Restore them back just like you did the nation of Israel. Lord, maybe there's one that has never asked you to be Lord of their life. Lord, your word tells us if we will confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that you will save us. Lord, let them today confess that you, they want you to be Lord of their life. Lord, they will confess that they believe on your finished work on the cross. Lord, how you took their sins and nailed it to the cross. Lord, how you overcame death and you rose again and you were victorious. Lord, I pray today that they will confess that and believe that. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give this ministry. Lord, we look forward to even learning more from this book that you inspired the writer to write. Lord, let the truths that we've already studied fall deep in fertile soil and let it grow in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.